episode seven. Harry stopped there to enjoy the effect of these words. He could almost see the cogs working under Uncle Vernon's thick, dark, neatly parted hair. If he tried to stop Harry writing to Sirius, Sirius would think Harry was being mistreated. If he told Harry he couldn't go to the Quidditch World Cup, Harry would write and tell Sirius who would know he was being mistreated. There was only one thing for Uncle Vernon to do. Harry could see the conclusion forming in his mind as though the great mustached face was transparent. Harry tried not to smile to keep his own face as blank as possible. And then... Well, all right then. You can go to this ruddy, this stupid, this World Cup thing. You write and tell these these Weasleys they're to pick you up, mind. I haven't got time to go dropping you off all over the country. And you can spend the rest of the summer there. And you can tell your... Your godfather, tell him, tell him you're going. Okay, then, said Harry brightly. He turned and walked toward the living room door, fighting the urge to jump in the air and whoop! He was going, he was going to the Weasleys, he was going to watch the Quidditch World Cup! Outside in the hall, he nearly ran into Dudley, who had been lurking behind the door, clearly hoping to overhear Harry being told off. He looked shocked to see the broad grin on Harry's face. That was an excellent breakfast, wasn't it? said Harry. I feel really full, don't you? Laughing at the astonished look on Dudley's face, Harry took the stairs three at a time and hurled himself back into his bedroom. The first thing he saw was that Hedwig was back. She was sitting in her cage, staring at Harry with her enormous amber eyes and clicking her beak in the way that meant she was annoyed about something. Exactly what was annoying her became apparent almost at once. Ouch, said Harry. What appeared to be a small, gray, feathery tennis ball had just collided with the side of Harry's head. Harry massaged his head furiously, looking up to see what had hit him, and saw a minute owl, small enough to fit into the palm of his hand, whizzing around excitedly like a loose firework. Harry then realized that the owl had dropped a letter at his feet. Harry bent down, recognized Ron's handwriting, then tore open the envelope. Inside was a hastily scribbled note. Harry, Dad got the tickets. Ireland versus Bulgaria, Monday night. Mum's writing to the Muggles to ask you to stay. They might already have the letter. I don't know how fast Muggle Post is. Thought I'd send this with Pig anyway. Harry stared at the word Pig, then looked up at the tiny owl now zooming around the lampshade on the ceiling. He had never seen anything that looked less like a pig. Maybe he couldn't read Ron's writing. He went back to the letter. We're coming for you whether the muggles like it or not. You can't miss the World Cup. Only, Mom and Dad reckon it's better if we pretend to ask their permission first. 
If they say yes, send Pig back with your answer pronto and we'll come and get you at five o'clock on Sunday. If they say no, send Pig back pronto and we'll come and get you at five o'clock on Sunday anyway. Hermione's arriving this afternoon. Percy started work. The Department of International Magical Cooperation. Don't mention anything about abroad while you're here unless you want a passport off you. See you soon, Ron. Calm down, Harry said as the small owl flew low over his head, twittering madly with what Harry could only assume was pride at having delivered the letter to the right person. Come here, I need you to take my answer back. The owl fluttered down on top of Hedwig's cage. Hedwig looked coldly up at it, as though daring it to try and come any closer. Harry seized his eagle feather quill once more, grabbed a fresh piece of parchment and wrote, Ron, it's all okay. The muggles say I can come. See you five o'clock tomorrow. Can't wait. Harry. He folded this note up very small and, with immense difficulty, tied it to the tiny owl's leg as it hopped on the spot with excitement. The moment the note was secure, the owl was off again. It zoomed out the window and out of sight. Harry turned to Hedwig. Feeling up to a long journey, he asked her. Hedwig hooted in a dignified sort of way. Can you take this to Sirius for me, he said, picking up his letter. Hang on, I I just want to finish it. He unfolded the parchment again and hastily added a postscript. If you want to contact me, I'll be at my friend Ron Weasley's for the rest of the summer. His dad's got us tickets for the Quidditch World Cup. The letter finished. He tied it to Hedwig's leg. She kept unusually still as though determined to show him how a real post-owl should behave. I'll be at Ron's when you get back, all right, Harry told her. She nipped his finger affectionately, then with a soft swooshing noise, spread her enormous wings and soared out of the open window. Harry watched her out of sight, then crawled under his bed, wrenched up the loose floorboard and pulled out a large chunk of birthday cake. He sat there on the floor eating it, savoring the happiness that was flooding through him. He had cake, and Dudley had nothing but grapefruit. It was a bright summer's day. He would be leaving Privet Drive tomorrow. His scar felt perfectly normal again, and he was going to watch the Quidditch World Cup. It was hard just now to feel worried about anything even Lord Voldemort. Chapter 4. Back to the Burrow. By 12 o'clock next day, Harry's trunk was packed with his school things and all his most prized possessions. The invisibility cloak he had inherited from his father, the broomstick he had got from Sirius, the enchanted map of Hogwarts he had been given by Fred and George Weasley last year, He had emptied his hiding place under the loose floorboard of all food, double-checked every nook and cranny of his bedroom for forgotten spell books or quills, and taken down the chart on the wall, counting the days down to September the 1st, 
on which he liked to cross off the days remaining until his return to Hogwarts. The atmosphere inside Number 4 Privet Drive was extremely tense. The imminent arrival at their house of an assortment of wizards was making the Dursleys uptight and irritable. Uncle Vernon had looked downright alarmed when Harry informed him that the Weasleys would be arriving at five o'clock the very next day. I hope you told them to dress properly, these people, he snarled at once. I've seen the sort of stuff your lot wear. They'd better have the decency to put on normal clothes, that's all. Harry felt a slight sense of foreboding. He had rarely seen Mr. or Mrs. Weasley wearing anything that the Dursleys would call normal. Their children might don muggle clothing during the holidays, but Mr. and Mrs. Weasley usually wore long robes in varying states of shabbiness. Harry wasn't bothered about what the neighbors would think, but he was anxious about how rude the Dursleys might be to the Weasleys if they turned up looking like their worst idea of wizards. Uncle Vernon had put on his best suit. To some people, this might have looked like a gesture of welcome, but Harry knew it was because Uncle Vernon wanted to look impressive and intimidating. Dudley, on the other hand, looked somehow diminished. Now, this was not because the diet was at long last taking effect, but due to fright. Dudley had emerged from his last encounter with a fully grown wizard with a curly pig's tail poking out of the seat of his trousers. And Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon had had to pay for its removal at a private hospital in London. It wasn't altogether surprising, therefore, that Dudley kept running his hand nervously over his backside and walking sideways from room to room so as not to present the same target to the enemy.' 